Hey, welcome to today's podcast. We're going to put the fun in dysfunctional today, friend. (laughs) So many of you listen to my parenting content. And let me tell you, my parenting comes directly from the reparenting I did with myself. It was quite the mess. (laughs) So listen to this one. There was a family funeral to attend. And you will not believe all the crazy insights that came out of it. If you had a crazy childhood or think no one has a family like mine, I think I could give you a run for your money, friend. (laughs) And you may see things in a shockingly different way like I ended up doing. So here we go. So for those of you not familiar with my story, I had a complex trauma background growing up. Had all the big T traumas. Even, yep, that too. all the bells and whistles. And as part of my awakening and healing process, I revealed an abuse that happened to me to the entire family. (laughs) Oh, it was something. And the response was pretty crappy. Uh, There's more details of exactly what happened on the episode titled The Pursuit of Fairness, if you're like interested in that. Um, If it resonates with you and you'd like to know more. Uh, But basically, I went no contact for a while and was super angry and upset. And I just kept healing myself. Instead of worrying about getting them to acknowledge or change anything, I poured it all into myself, giving myself compassion, uh, you know, dealing with my inner child wounds. And I kept chasing my triggers down and the shadows that were connected to them and giving myself forgiveness. And somehow the world around me started to change, including how I saw them too. So over a year now, I had been on much better terms with everyone, but still had no physical contact since it happened. Um, Like texts and, you know, I I would get a message from my aunt. Uh, She had stayed in contact with me, even when I was still pissed off. (laughs) And I can see now it was divine. Uh, I'll get back to that later. She tells me on uh, a Monday that my uncle died unexpectedly and the funeral is on Thursday. First, I was shocked um, because my grandparents are still alive. So for it to be like not one of them and to be like one of the kids first, like one of my dad's brothers, it was shocking to everyone. And then it hits me. Oh my God, everyone will be there. I will have to face everyone if I'm going to go to this funeral. Was I healed enough to do this or was I going to keep running from my past? Because that's what we do to avoid pain, right? I am telling you, spirit and the universe will help you break out of your mental chains and even help you put this shit all together if you allow it. My husband happened to be in town that week, which was super rare. Um, He travels for work a lot. Um, I helped my mom with my special needs sister like during the week as well. My stepdad just happened to take that day off. Then I hear this song that I haven't heard in months that morning. It's called DNA. Such an awesome song for a healing journey. Oh my God, check it out if you can. And the words are, you can't escape your DNA. 
but you have the keys to free yourself. And I was like, okay, all right, guys, like, I get it. Um, we can wrap this up now. <laughs> I guess we're doing this shit. So here's the crazy part. So I am the villain in some of their stories. I exposed a major truth and went from the golden child, which was a trauma response also, by the way, <laughs> to the black sheep, like, real quick, like... <laughs> And the freaking irony, my uncle, uh, who had passed away, had a falling out with them. And it's at funerals where everyone finally makes peace. We finally get it, right? And we're making peace with a box instead of with the person still standing there. I was coming face to face with a mirror that I still had an opportunity to change. The awakening process helped me see that I don't want to wait until I'm dead to wake up and realize that I didn't get to choose my circumstances. I would have ordered off a completely different menu for sure. <laughs> but I do choose now how I feel about it all and them. I could stay an angry, anxious 13-year-old or I could separate the stories that hurt me and choose to feel for them that someone died and they were in pain because of it. Holy crap, we've come a long way, huh? So I take some deep breaths and I walk into the viewing. I see my dad and his wife immediately. And I didn't know how they would react to my presence. But I felt oddly at peace and happy to see them. So I walk up and my dad's wife sees me first and I smiled. I went, hey, <laughs> just like I do like on here and all my pose. So don't think that's some bullshit. <laughs> like I do that everywhere. Um, she hugged me and started to cry and said it was way too long. And I told her what I set the intention for that day. Not what happened was okay. None of it was okay. But I wanted them to know I love them unconditionally because I don't want to have this conversation from a box or a jar. She agreed. Then my dad saw me and he fucking cried. I have seen my dad get teary eyed once in my entire life. Something magical was happening in that room. And seeing someone right in front of you, unable to say or do what we can, brings a ton of perspective, doesn't it? And I said the same thing to him. It's not an okay, Dad. But I wanted you to know that I love you while we're still both alive. We talked for a while. And then I made my way to my aunt's. I heard my one aunt uh, was taking it really hard. So I see her and she just broke, hugged me and sobbed again. I have never seen her even sad in my entire life, like not showing it anyway, I should say. She liked to show it through a feeling of annoyance, <laughs> if that makes sense. That's how she showed her feelings, like like a slightly irritated 
when I told them about what happened to me, which I also suspect happened to her too, or, you know, some other things, by the way, she said nothing. And at first I took it to heart. I took it personally. Ah! If you haven't read the four agreements, um, it's basically the four agreements for living a good life. And one of them is take nothing personally. Ah. When I finally healed enough to see that they can't meet me where I am because they are where they are. And that's okay. That's where they're supposed to be. I couldn't fucking believe that I was able to hold space and even hold her physically through her tears, even with all of the tears that no one helped me through. I wouldn't have believed it a year and a half ago. So don't give up if you are healing currently. So I get her somewhat together. (laughs) And then I see my other aunt. Let me just say that emotional repression doesn't even cut it when it comes to my family. I knew anger and rage. And that was about it. Like, and then just like complete shutdown. (laughs) Like there was no fight or like it was just frozen and that's it. I know, like wild compared to the me that most of you see now, right? Well, once you get that anger is a secondary emotion that feels safer to your body, especially um, if your family had the perception that it's more vulnerable to show sadness or fear, it makes a lot of sense, right? Then you start to understand that I just need to get through that perception to get to the true thing that I'm feeling. So you know how I said my uncle passed away and my grandparents are still alive. My aunt tells me they decided to not even go to the viewing. Matter of fact, my grandmother decided it didn't happen at all and everyone's lying to her. (laughs) I was like, oh, Oh, shit. Okay. It's like the stages of grief on steroids. When you're already with a shot nervous system to begin with, it's too much for her mind to actually face and accept. Maybe ever. Because our brains are built for survival. I know my grandmother's nervous system can't handle it because it's been screaming to her for help since she was so young, too. She had an abusive, um, well, she had both, abusive alcoholic parents. Uh, And she got married to my grandfather at 16 to get out of that household, started having children soon after. And every time she had a baby, her mental state went further and further downhill. Um, yeah, it was probably postpartum depression. (laughs) And my grandfather's solution was to listen to this shit, distract her with having more babies. I know. I know. What? I know. Like, we have got to understand where our families are coming from for them not to understand us. I am telling you, it's crazy. Batshit crazy. That was the idea. And they kept that crazy train going until they were at seven kids and could physically not have any more. Oh, and one passed away as a baby Can you imagine 
how that hit her nervous system there too. Like, oh my God. So then they tried to give her puppies and kittens to take care of. Holy hell. When you see what people were doing with with healed eyes, (laughs) this is my direct genetic line. My epigenetics. The nervous systems that were passed down to me in utero. And the people in charge of one of my parents. (laughs) Man, no wonder I went through what I did. Honestly, like it's not an okay, but makes a lot more sense, honestly. So after several nervous breakdowns and at least three attempts to take her own life, there's no way her brain is letting this information land, right? Like it can't. So then it dawns on me as I'm talking to my aunt, she was always obsessed with babies and baby animals, not kids, And I heard stories that she was always picked on, even by family. And it dawns on me that she just wanted unconditional love that she never got from others growing up. Babies and puppies aren't going to hurt you, at least not on purpose. They're not going to leave you either. And this one takes the trauma cake. (laughs) Listen to this shit. Then I remember hearing a story that my grandfather's brother got in trouble with the law when they were very young and his mother, my great-grandmother, who I never met, she passed before I was born, told my grandfather that his brother wouldn't make it in prison, wasn't tough enough. So he needs to take the blame for what he did and go to jail for him. I know. What? (laughs) So my grandfather does this. And let me, let me break down the severity of this. He got punished for a crime he did not commit because his own mother chose her other son's well-being over his. Can you imagine The amount of hurt and resentment and jealousy before he even hit prison treatment and what a monster that could make as a parent and just as a person. I actually felt very sad for him to be tossed to the lions like that by his own mother. Damn. So then, I know, it's crazy, right? So then I'm talking with my husband and I was like, it's so bizarre. I know Which part, Christina? I know, I know. Picture this. No one in my family has changed pretty much anything since I remember being alive. Like their exact hairstyle, their clothing style for the most part. Like, maybe it's not like bell bottoms, like maybe it's like tailored, you know what I mean? But like, for the most part, they're um, like, even my grandmother's uh, house, my grandmother's house, nothing has changed. The same carpet, the same cabinets, like everything. And my husband goes, I wonder if they stayed or are stuck at whatever age they were last somewhat okay in. (gasps) 
My God. Then it dawns on me. There are lots of rumors of abuse like I had amongst them too. And just like my grandmother's brain was in denial to survive, they probably are too. It may not be like a lack of love that they aren't able to take in what I revealed. They can't. Their brain might think it's too painful to survive it. And that's why many of us with complex traumas can't even remember whole parts of our lives, including blocking out especially painful memories. I wasn't looking at a viewing. I was looking around at a room of PTSD. They didn't even know how to help themselves. My God, I was so grateful to be in a place that I could see the truth and tell them all how I feel from my heart and not my head while I'm still freaking here. (laughs) And you know what? I was wanting to get out of town for a while now and the plans were just not working out. Oh, but they were. (laughs) I just didn't know it. Everything is always working out for us. If I wouldn't have been this close to where the viewing was, I would have probably used it as my out. I'm not going to lie. But something beyond my human knowing knew I needed to face them to make peace with my DNA, my past, and set another part of me free and maybe help them along a little too. And the kicker, when I got home and I started reflecting on the day, It felt like something big happened, like a karma release or ending of a major cycle or something. And I checked the steps on my phone. I don't know why. And I see 2,222 on the dot. I swear to God, I even screenshot it and sent it to my husband. (laughs) And I was like, yo, something happened there. (laughs) 222 was the very first number that I had awareness of being an angel number for me when I first awakened and I saw it right when I told everyone what had happened to me. And here we were on the other side. So never doubt you are always exactly where you are supposed to be, even when it feels like there's no way in hell that's true. (laughs) (laughs) and give yourself grace and compassion and watch how it comes out to everyone else. Eventually, you'll see. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Sending you all so, so much love. I'll see you on the next one, friend.